0: You know, that was the first time I was exposed to the quote that said, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you choose to respond. That was a foreign concept to me up to that point. And uh, it really lit this fire of personal development.
1: Great experiences build great
0: leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams.
1: All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast today. Building great sales teams. We are live with my buddy, Mark. He's the president and CEO of Future of Security Group. It's an independent agency of family heritage, and he's an expert in door-to-door, business-to-business. He's got 17 years in the business, winning top producers and top team awards, and he's done over $9 million in team production. He's also responsible for the corporate and, of course, the training for his own agency. Mark, welcome to the show, brother, and happy
0: birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. I'm I'm surprised to see that. Uh, oof, I haven't seen that. I haven't looked like that in a long time. So, uh, you know, definitely pre-beard, pre, pre-pubescent even, probably. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got a good jawline going there. And when I saw it, I was like, is that Jim from The Office? I was like, that is perfect, oh, you know? Yeah. You so we had That's to... Great. We had to catch you a little off guard and share that and uh but no brother welcome to the show uh
0: thank you so much for joining us yeah thanks for having me it's, it's a pleasure to be here man glad uh, glad i don't look like that anymore <laughs> <laughs> dude he looks
1: great i mean the beard is just like now you're a sage wise man you know what i mean so all right brother we met at apex evolution um i had just graduated the class of 001 i was volunteering I think you had just joined apex maybe, or were new word. And, and yeah, that was a, that was a a special way to meet. I, I could say, (laughs) what was that
0: experience like for you? That's a great question. Um, you know, transformational is, it's really hard to put words to it, but, um, Mm -hmm. I, I love doing stuff like that. And, uh, you know, someone asked me if it was worth it. Let me just put it this way. And I said, well, if you like getting your butt kicked and seeing what you're made of, absolutely. And if that's not your jam, then absolutely not. And for me, I love getting my butt kicked and seeing what I'm made of. So and to be around other people that love the same thing. You know, I've listened to a podcast on the way to work and yeah. uh, you know, they're talking about that uh, if you want to meet special people, go to the gym. But but not just anytime. There's people, there's there's people getting after it at six PM. Go to the gym at five a.m. That's a unique type of person. That, that like to kick their butt first thing in the morning, then go kick butt in business. And guess what? I was up at 4.45 when the alarm went off the day, five to six was the workout, and I was on my way to get to the office for a seven o'clock meeting. So I, I love stuff like that.
1: Absolutely, brother, yeah. I, I will say like out of the whole group, I was watching you and uh, like, yeah, there was just no complaints. It was just following orders, hitting the dirt, you know what I'm saying? And then when we were doing presentations and everything, there you were with your pen and your pad writing notes, you know, and I always appreciate someone that could take that route of, oh, I know everything, you know, I've made millions of dollars, built out these amazing teams and everything. And they, so they could take that like sit back and, and not really put in the work, you know what I mean? Or I guess, feel like they know everything already. Right. And, but you, you took the opposite path, you know, you're still student, you're still learning every day, which I love. And I appreciated seeing from most of the participants there as well. So it was was pretty, it was an awesome experience to be on the other side too, not getting my ass kicked and just kind
0: of helping out.
1: (laughs) Man, I don't miss that. That. These guys have no idea
0: what they're in store for. You know, I don't usually, I I have my notebook to my left here. I cleaned off my desk a while back. So it's probably on my shelf, but I, I have my notebook that I took notes with so I can refer to it right within arm's reach. Yeah. Yeah, they, we
1: got lucky. They printed out, for our class, they printed out binders, and it had those questions in there. And so, like, it had all my answers written in the binder. And for the longest time, I had the binder, and I would go back to the binder, whether it was, like, for content or just, like, I was I was facing something challenging, and I was able to go back and and reference that. If you, you guys don't know, um, Apex, for a couple years, put on this event called Evolution. And it, they brought in, basically, um, high-level military operators, to basically train us, like a a very like maybe one percent of a hundred percent of butts, right? So it's like the the very toned down version of butts, you know, where you got chicken soup in the middle of
0: the <laughs> the yeah, train. Buds, buds for kindergartners, yeah, it's yeah, but <laughs> Story time, gather around the fire. We're gonna teach you something.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So no, it was
0: a it was an awesome experience. So I was looking at, forward to going back to that. I'll show this other thing. I, I also did a two and a half day event earlier in the year uh, okay. with Jocko's group, uh, at Echelon Front, probably in April. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. high stress situation, laser taggers going through the laws uh, of combat okay. and how they apply to business. Oh, yeah. and, and that was very, very fun and educational as well and stressful. However, that was way more intellectual. Uh, in nature, and, and the evolution was way more physical. In nature, we still learned it both, but but I appreciate yeah. both of them. And one's one's not better than the other. They just, I'm glad I had the opportunity to do both last year.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed. Um, how was the speech? Because we we didn't get the speech the first time because he wasn't he wasn't one of the operators the first time. Um, um, the, the, the man in the arena. arena. Yeah, about the, the man in the arena. That
0: that quote stares back at me on my wall right up there. I love it. Was that before or after? Uh, Well, you know, that's it. So I was first exposed to that quote back in 2003 when I sold books uh, for the Southwestern company for my one and my first and only summer. And uh, that was one of the things that they taught us. And it always resonated with me. In fact, a friend was publishing a book last year that needed some extra pages. So it'd go from a, a booklet to a book. And yeah. so she was asking for favorite quotes. So that's the quote I put in there. And that's the quote that uh, the Navy SEAL uh, William William Branham said. Yeah. And then lo and behold, when I got my promotion last year, one of our key executives from our company gave me that placard that now sits on the wall. So it's that quote.
1: Oh, it was all it was all like organic the way that happened. But mm. that's I, I do. I look for little things like that, that that remind me that I'm in alignment with what I'm doing. And obviously you were when you got that promotion. That's awesome. man. Heck OK, yeah. so.
0: Why sales? What got you into sales? That's a good question, man. So for the longest time, I did not want to be in sales. You know, I remember trading baseball cards in fourth and fifth grade and orchestrating these these crazy trades, not just between me and you, between me, you, someone else, someone else, some of these great big deals. And Mm -hmm. someone's mom said to me, yeah, you should be a sales guy. And my viewpoint up to this point, uh, like a lot of people, was this sleazy, hey, Let's do a deal and see how much money I can get out of you. And I'm like, I don't want nothing to do with that. So I avoided that destiny for quite some time. And, but I I also grew up pretty humbly, uh, not not a whole lot of income, you know. So there's some definitely some food stamps involved, definitely some powdered milk and and WIC programs. And I also remember it's funny. I just watched this movie last night, The Tetris Story. If, If you're a video game fan, that is a phenomenal movie on Apple TV about the the links that they did to go get that here but i grew up in you know i was born in 79 i um, so about in 1985 i was six years old and nintendo came out and i mm-hmm. really really wanted one it was 99 plus tax and so 105 out the door and my parents said hey we we don't have an extra hundred dollars and and i knew we didn't have a ton of money growing up kind of had everything we needed a lot of love a couple toys but uh I knew $100 was a decent amount of money in 1985, but it wasn't like an ungodly amount. And so I really was like, I never want to be in a situation where I don't have $100 for something that I might need or want. And so probably, but this is a great story, too, is how I got good at sales is I had to make friends with other people that had Nintendo so I could get invited to their house and go play. So I had to be sociable. I had to be likable and trustable to have over. So uh, that little adversity gave me some some leverage there in, in developing that skill set of interacting with other people. Nice. So, were you able to raise the money for the N- Nintendo eventually, or? Eventually, yeah. Eventually, we had one. You know, I remember. Uh, I think I had to scoop of snow. You know, so I live in Nebraska. It gets really hot in the summer, and really cold. And I remember, yeah. I don't know, I can't remember who bought the Nintendo for me. It might have been my cool aunt or cool uncle because they're the ones that also bought me my Nike shoes. But mm-hmm. uh, I do remember working hard very very hard for several weeks and saving up enough money to buy the legend of zelda you know which was a hot game hot game at the time so i eventually got my hands on a nintendo console but while my friends had hundreds of games i think i had like five and two of them came with the with the system yeah i
1: was gonna say that's the only ones that i had was the ones that came with the system (laughs) i think it was duck hunt right and then mario mario brothers yeah Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was like a front and back or like both of them were in the same cartridge right Yeah, you gotta pick. Yeah. Yeah. And then you had to like pull up the shirt to like blow (laughs) the cartridge. You had to rub it. You know, you had to blow in it, rub it
0: right just to get it to stand on one (laughs) floor. I want to play my game today.
1: No, that's awesome, man. So let's let's talk about the transition. I, I would imagine like most sales histories, you've had a few sales positions. One of them one of them being Southwest Consultant. I want to talk about that for a second because some of the, my favorite sales training, and I, I still do it to this day, you know, uh, selling the way customers want to buy. Yeah. Um, that uh, was Rory Vaden. The quote on the bottom of my email is Rory Vaden. You know what I mean? And he was uh, an integral part of that company. And um, what was it like? Kind of, I feel like you started out at the, the door-to-door company. You know what I'm saying? In my mind you know yeah in, in terms of history and everything because and, and correct me if i'm wrong and i always tell people this and maybe you can confirm it for me but they they were like the original like encyclopedias and bibles like the original book
0: door-to-door salespeople. yeah i might, I might get this date wrong you know so this might be plus or minus two to five years but I, the way i remember it is they were selling bibles door-to-door since 1868 that's crazy is when they started door-to-door <laughs> And, you yeah. know, survived the, uh, you know, very shortly after the Civil War, survived World War One, Great Depression, World War II, yeah. all these things. And now they've diversified into a bunch of other companies, all direct sales related and performance-based. That was just great. Here's a, here's another great story. They kind of laid the foundation for this, being uniquely trained for this. So I, I grew up, uh, my mother was a Jehovah's Witness. So my oh, dad wow. was a non-practicing Catholic. So there's a fight yeah. every year if we're gonna celebrate Christmas or not. And so I grew up knocking on doors. So, you know, when I was in first, second, third grade, I would be Saturday morning, I'd be knocking, I'd like knock, knock, knock in my little suit and, you know, hey, Mm -hmm. hey, Doug, how's it going? Great, great basketball game Friday. Do you you want a copy of the Watchtower? No? Okay, we'll see you Monday, you know? And so uh, I've been delivering miniature Bible sermons since I was eight years old. You know, I'm getting rated on timing and gestures, both emphatic and and also descriptive and all sorts of, you know, is it cohesive throughout? Is there a conclusion, and action item? And so Just a lot of training early on to just put your head down, go to work. You know, they taught me early on, not everybody's going to be interested uh, that you talk to. And that's okay. You're not there for them. You're there for the people that do align with what you have and want to visit, which is, you know, in in the J-Dub world, very, very short. You know, I've sold a lot of things, books with Southwestern being one of them, um, cancer, heart attack, strokes, insurance now, which, which is near and dear to my heart since my father passed away from lung cancer when he was only 42 years old. But it's funny, yeah. I'll tell you, cancer insurance is a lot easier to sell than Jesus, even though we need both. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Uh, so back back to the book days. Here's the yeah. funny. So I, I told you I avoided this. So my dad, uh, again, we had humble beginnings. His idea was for me to go to college, become an electrical engineer, get a safe, secure job, you know, making six figures, um, something mm-hmm. he always wanted but never had, you know, and right off into the sunset and retire with great benefits. But then, you know, his getting cancer derailed that. That was my senior year of high school. So all of the family's focus went on him and I just kind of floated. And I never took an ACT, never took an SAT. Unfortunately, he passed away in August of 97, right after I graduated. And so kind of went from being a kid to an adult pretty darn quickly. And so I just start providing for myself. So I actually started fixing copiers, you know, for a business where I could get twice as much work done in half the time, because I was technologically smart. Uh, and just, just providing for myself. And I tried going to night school and doing some various things, but I hated copiers. I did that for four years and I just absolutely, I I hated it so much that I actually got fired because I just didn't show up and didn't care. And I was a lot younger and less mature as well. Yeah. So, um, it's a funny story. Actually, what, what got me fired is I called in sick for a week from Vegas, you know? And when you're in your early twenties and you're in Vegas and you're up all night, you sound pretty sick. So I'm like, yeah, I still don't, still don't feel great. I'm not coming in. Uh, but somehow they found out that I was in Vegas and they, that was they before me. social media. So, Oh, I don't know how <laughs> they did that. I don't know. how yeah. they did that. So I'm sitting there and a buddy of mine who's in, co- I'm 23 at the time. My buddy's in college when the university of Nebraska, tell me about this crazy internship he's going to do. And I'm like, well, I need a job. That sounds awesome. We could, we could yeah. party in New York city. That'd be, he's like, nah, it's not really like that. I'm like, well, maybe we can hang out on the weekend. He's like, mm, it's not like that either. I'm like, well, what is it like? and so he gave me the phone number of the guy that he was talking to i called the guy up uh brian wilson still a dear friend to this very day we talk almost every Friday as accountability partners he he uh, officiated the ceremony of my wife and i down in mexico in cancun in 2012 because not only did he teach me the book business but he taught me this business as well and wow. i'm like hey man i want to come do this book thing and he goes i don't know if you qualify and i'm thinking to myself dude i was i was a JW since i was five i damn darn Tootin' and i qualify <laughs> You so we, we, went through, we went through the interview process and lo and behold two weeks later i was driving to nashville tennessee to sell so because i i needed money quickly uh i knew i could talk to people it was, and here's the other thing um well and, and you could win a trip to mexico and i've never you know had been i went to germany with my grandmother in 86 you know when i was younger because she was from germany but i but as an adult going to an all-inclusive trip in mexico with a bunch of other college kids is, is pretty awesome and so yeah all of that was appealing to me but i also knew going back to the sleazy kind of traditional sales guys like yeah. i have to believe in what i'm selling right otherwise right. this isn't ice to eskimos it's not red popsicles to ladies and white right. gloves it's it's hey i have something that you need we have a value exchange and i'm delivering just as probably more value in owning our product than i'm asking for in, in compensation so it's a, yeah. it's a value exchange it's not something crap that people don't want or don't need so these Southwestern study guides, this this these volume libraries, both of my parents were hippies and dropped out of school when they are 16 years old. So when I got to about seventh grade, my dad was very smart, very intellectual, very well-read, self-educated. However, mm-hmm. he couldn't really do the schoolwork because back then you had to show the answer, right? they they tell you that you'd never have a calculator in your pocket at all times, which right. you know, funk that. So yeah. he, he, he could get the answer, but he couldn't show me. So I was kind of on my own, so books, that help kids from kindergarten to their senior year with more examples and in writing reports and getting things done. I could have used those books. So I'm like, oh, I can sell that. Yeah. And so that's what I did for you know, gosh, what was it 12 weeks of you know, 70 hours a week, door to door cold calling um, wow. in, in heat and rain and black flies. We think mosquitoes are bad in the Midwest. You should try black flies in Maine in the summer, man. Uh, are they the so ones that, was that bite? It. Yeah, bite? yeah, big time, big time. You can't see them and they bite. Wow. Barely. Yeah. So that was, uh, and, and that was the toughest, hardest thing I'd ever done up to that point. Mm-hmm. And I hated every minute of it, but I loved who I grew into in the process. I loved the the successful people I was around, the quotes that I got, you know, that's when I was it's first really introduced. Yeah, to personal yeah. development. They gave me a book by Mandino called The Greatest Salesman in the World, one of my favorite yeah. books. We read a scroll every single day mm-hmm. and it, it really, you know, that was the first time I was exposed to the quote that said life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you choose to respond. That was a foreign concept to me up to that point. And uh, it really lit this fire of personal development. However, I swore I would never do anything like that again. In fact, on that trip uh, that summer, I decided I wanted to be an oncologist to help people that were going through what my father went through. So I got a job in clinical research here in Lincoln where we live, doing phase one clinical trials. And so that was really what I was gonna set off to do is go through the path of actually going to college, getting my degree and, and going to med school and becoming an oncologist. Wow, man, that's crazy. And what, mm-hmm. I guess, at what point did it, did it kind of turn you off of that? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question too. Well, again, having to provide for myself, you know, working eight, 10, 12 hours a day and going to night school for four hours, uh, five, six hours a night and doing homework uh, about a year of that, and I was done. And as I was yeah. getting older, you know, I mentioned I was 23, just turned 24 selling books, so now I'm turning 25, yeah. 26. So the idea of, hey, I'm gonna spend the next 15 years of my life going to undergrad, med school, residency, specialization before I can finally do what I what I wanna do, that was just too too long of a time horizon for me at that point.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I mean, that's why a lot of people don't become, they have the capacity, they have the ability, but it's like, no, nah, I don't wanna spend you know, a third of my working career in school. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. No, I get it for sure. So you got into um, family heritage at at that point is what I'm assuming, or was there another product before that?
0: Yeah. So here's a great story too. So I, uh, it was 2007, late 2006. uh, I had a ton of friends that made a bunch of money in the mortgage business. And, okay. uh, you know, that was the days of subprime loans, stated income loans. And so I yeah, knew right that I did not it. want to be the crash, right? <laughs> so yeah. I, I knew uh, I didn't want to be, go to med school. I still love the medicine, but just didn't know what to do. So when my father died, a couple months later, um, my mom moved out. She got addicted to meth. My sister almost got taken away by the state. So I'm living in this house that was paid for uh, through his mm-hmm. life insurance money uh, and, and just all by myself. So... Again, when I said I had to go from a kid to an adult pretty quickly, that's 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 very accurate. Had a lot of those are some pretty dark days, a lot of mistakes. Um, and so when my mom called me because she's running out of money, a couple of years later said, hey, I need to sell the house. I said, hey, let me buy it. You know, half, half of my dad's ashes are in the backyard in his rose garden. Right. I want to buy this house. Uh, had no business buying this house. The bank wouldn't give me a loan. Right. right. Uh, so I, I go to the phone book and I go to mortgage and I call the first person like, yeah, we can get it done. Well, I looked and it was something ridiculous, like thirteen percent, a two-year ARM, adjustable rate. So I kind of got screwed on the mortgage side as well. Right. Uh, I was only able to afford two payments before I couldn't afford the payment, and I just punted uh, and gave up on that. Unfortunately. So again, going back to believing in what you're selling, I'm like, yes, I can help people and actually put them in win-win-win scenarios where there's a value exchange, and yes, we're going to get compensated for that, but they're going to get in a better, they're going to be in a better position, not a worse position like I was. So um if i can make money while doing that absolutely so i picked about the worst time ever uh you know december of 2006 to get involved in the mortgage business and so i watched that thing collapse from 07 all the way till probably it was about march of 08 uh, and we had some ups we had some downs we had some crazy times you know the last three months were horrible but in the middle of all that in 2006 uh so our company was owned by the southwestern company Uh, Until they were acquired back in 2012. So that there was a lot of book people doing that business. And so uh, my mentor, uh, Brian Wilson was doing it another buddy of mine was working there. And so I bought a cancer plan from him. Mm -hmm. And he showed this to me. And uh, I was under 30 years old, it was $50 a month for the best plan they had. And it helped people financially. As they're going through cancer because health insurance will pay the doctor bills, but not your bills. So, again, going back to my family situation, right. my dad was a blue-collar guy. He worked at Cushman here in Lincoln. They did industrial lawn equipment and scooters and stuff like that. So mm. he had long-term disability, but not short-term. So I remember the 90-day wait with no income. I remember, you know, we didn't live on the streets, but they filed bankruptcy to protect the bank. They gave his truck back. I got out of high school early to drive him back and forth the for treatments. So I lived through that. And so one of the yeah. benefits they had though was a travel benefit so that if you go over 80 miles from home, they'll do flights or mileage. So I'm thinking to myself, man, if my dad would have went to the Mayo Clinic or MD Anderson or one of these, these premier places, maybe he'd even still be here. Maybe it would have saved his life. And so I'm like, yeah, 50 bucks a month, sign me up for that. So I bought a plan in 06. My buddy was like, you know what? You, you given your background and your success selling books, you'd probably be good at this. And I'm like, nah, I'm going to be a cancer doctor. Nah, I'm going to be a mortgage guy. And then that same guy called me some, Fateful Friday in March of 2008, and said, "Hey, you want to go get a beer?" And I'm like, "Dude, forget the beer. Let's. Are you guys still hiring? Because this mortgage stuff is crazy." So that—that's how I finally landed where I've been for the past 15 years.
1: Man, you know, I've—I've I've had conviction behind all the products that I've sold because I wouldn't start selling them unless I did. But man, that's another level of conviction. I love—I love the background and the reason that you're doing this today, and probably the reason you've never given up even in the darkest of times because you know that hey, it can't be worse than that you know what I'm saying? And yeah, I mean, every family yeah. that you sign up, it's like, you, you got to feel like you're signing up your own family, man. I mean, it's just, that's, that's a beautiful thing right there. Okay. Yeah, well, the that conviction. Yeah. That conviction obviously led you to, to be able to recruit and build these teams. Right. What do you, what do you feel like, what do you, what else do you feel like attributed to that though in your ability to do that? Is it more of, System that they had set up for you guys to execute on, or is it more like, hey, you're one of those people that can walk into a room and recruit like three
0: people? Yeah, like that's uh, probably not so much the latter because it because here's the thing: all of these things that we're describing are skills, right? And and mm-hmm. skills can be developed. And there might there's some people that have a, a, a greater natural tendency to do well in these areas. Um. Mm-hmm. I'm actually not one of those people. I talk about this all the time with the people that I'm blessed to, to mentor and lead and to train is that like I sucked at every aspect of this career at first. Sucked at it. Like I had to put in more work than the average bear and uh, but I'm stubborn and I'm tenacious and uh, I don't stop and and maybe I'll, I'll take a time out, but I'll get back to re-engage and so uh, I, I was a good salesperson again because I had to be. I had a I had a thousand bucks in the bank and three thousand dollars in monthly obligations. So I was in this, you know. And again, I read these articles that say the average American only has four hundred dollars in the bank. So comparatively speaking, it mm-hmm. seems seems decent. However, that's only ten days of operating cash in the bank. Like that's as close to insolvency as you can get without actually getting there. Um yeah. so Failure was an option. I had to put my head down and go to work. And here's it, yeah. I only made 200 dollars my first week after studying, licensing, sales academy. Mm. So I was like, oof, kick in the stomach. Yeah. Time to time, you know. I love this quote uh from the devil's advocate. It's a movie with Al Pacino and uh, Keanu Reeves. And you know, Al Pacino is playing the devil and he's he's looking at Keanu Reeves and he goes, you know, pressure changes everything. Some people focus and other people fold. He's like, which one are you? And uh, that always stuck with me, too. And I watched that in the late 90s. I'm like, I got to focus, man. That's all I got to do. I got to put my head down, go to work and focus. So that's what I did. And after a while, being a top producer, I was like, you know what? I, I like teaching. They'd ask me to speak on conference calls and, you know, hey, can you give us three points on how you had a great week? Can you give us, you know, 30 minutes on how to have a great quarter? Can you give us 30 minutes on how to plan the next best quarter? So I'm, I'm like, man, I really like this stuff. I, I should get paid to do this. And how you get paid to do that is you teach other people and then they go do it right? Right. And, and so I started doing that. And and I wasn't very good at that. Because my original strategy was, hey, follow me, watch what I do, write everything down and just copy me. Um, and I wasn't very duplicatable. And so yeah. I had to really learn how to systematically teach people systems and processes and things that it didn't matter who they were, that if they follow these steps, they were going to yield to and they got in front of enough people, they were going to yield in success. And so that was a process right there. And then after getting, being good at sales and good at teaching other people, I'm like, well, you know what? I I'll get, I'll get compensated more if I find these people myself. So I should probably just do that. Yeah. I sucked at that at first too. You know, uh, uh, I love the line, Hey, come follow me. One of the greatest recruiters ever. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. although he only got, he only got 12 original, you know, 11 that stuck. So his turnover was actually pretty good, but, uh, that, that didn't work for me. People need more than just come follow me. Yeah. Uh, especially when it's their business and their family. And so uh, I had to get good at, talking to people finding out what they want in their next adventure why are they actively dissatisfied in their current event do do, are we a good fit you know this is not i do not believe in hiring everybody the spaghetti against the wall approach like you know the meat grinder we're going to throw as much stuff against that wall and see what sticks because some of it will most of it won't and that's a huge disservice to everybody involved so you got to find people that you know they're a good fit for us and we are a good fit for you and and being able to systematize that and have a process for identifying it and fine tuning Mm -hmm. that over is taking a lot of time and effort and practice, but it's all skills is when it boils down to skills that can be practiced and and developed.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, I want to highlight the point that you're making, which is, you know, so many business owners, sales managers, um, sales leaders, they, they think that they're going to bring someone in they're going to train them, which training them is like you said, Hey, come do what I do and and that's just going to transfer by osmosis you know and and let's let's forget just certain people learn certain ways like visually you know by reading uh video or i'm sorry uh audibly like everybody learns in different ways Put, put that aside you're teaching everybody differently because they're learning differently so you're getting even though you're the only person teaching you're getting three different results you know instead of having something systemized something written down which sounds so crazy now in our digital age but that's the first Mm -hmm. thing I always either do for my clients or tell my clients to do is like write down the process like what you're talking about right now where is it written down and they're like oh we nowhere." it's like that's why you hired me it's like let's write it down you know because then it's duplicatable then it's you know part of a system and everybody's learning the same the same way because it's written one way And everybody sees the same SOP for it or the same script or the same video training tutorial. So what are you guys doing now? You know, from back then, I would imagine all these systems were on paper, right? Are you guys entering the digital age in that sense? Or what are you guys doing now? Do you all have a back
0: end that they can go through all the training or how does it work? yeah it's 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 under constant uh the highway of life is under constant construction right and the same is true in mm-hmm. business so uh, i chuckled yeah. because i remember uh i don't have them anymore i i used to have these stacks of legal pads with with we called them mapping where we would draw streets and put tick marks for houses we put blue house mm-hmm. white house you know, about every block i'd try to put a, a house number so i would at least know if i'm yeah. on the 200 block and which side's out or even and we just cross them off highlight them and you know, that this is how we got around in the early days in the book days end here. You know, my first two years here was mm-hmm. residential door to door. I didn't transition to, to calling on businesses to roughly 2010. I didn't even do it full time until probably, gosh, 2014. So, uh, yeah, we've got uh, an enterprise build CRM with Salesforce that we can actually, you know, keep track of where we are, where we need to go visually by lead status. We can look up our client information rather the to of the call the home office. Uh, we can do a lot of things actively in the field in real time monitor that stuff uh, as far as training work I'm constantly polishing that stuff as well in fact I was talking to one of our our hiring manager yesterday who about a year we got in this document yesterday and it was a year ago since we've been in this document that this is the processes that she follows of sourcing identifying screening interviewing second interview all the things that we do in our process to, to try to identify our people a good fit for us. And she's like, well, well, why do we have to do this? And I'm like, well, she's like, I know what I'm doing. I'm like, but when it's written down, it's one, it gets out of our head, right? Mm -hmm. And two, we can look at it and we can see it and then we can tweak it. And you know, uh, you can work harder or you can work smarter. And I'm a fan of doing both. And when you start playing with these KPIs, if we can get 5% better here and 5% better here and 5% better here, a lot of people think that's 15% better. Uh, you do, that could that could be 100% better with those two little tweaks. And that's very yeah. difficult to do when it's only swimming inside one person's head. Plus, the other thing that I found is as you grow and scale, the whole come follow me approach um, is not a very good knowledge transfer. So to have a database, standard operating procedures, processes and systems in place, it makes training the next level of people infinitely easier. It's definitely a little bit of work on the front end, but it saves a whole mm-hmm. lot of work on the back as far as training goes and so that's that's why we're doing it
1: absolutely and it's you know that's obviously y'all was recruiting and eventually onboarding plan right um but but what what would happen so many times when we did stuff like this in my business is like you know one or two things would happen it would be uh the first thing that would happen is they would get insecure like hey you don't think i can do my job right <laughs> and then the second thing that would happen is they get insecure again like oh you're doing this so you can replace me someday and it's like, <laughs> oh, <no, laughs> and yes, yes, I'm doing it so I can replace you, but it's not because I'm going to replace you uh, and and get rid of you, it's because I'm going to replace you and promote you. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like every in, position, in, in... In the... go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I interrupted you. Uh, every, every position in the company should have a next level in, in,
0: mm-hmm.
1: to infinity, right? And in, in, in infinity may be a different division, infinity may be you know um a different designation or whatever the case is but at the end of the day i want want everybody in my organization to be able to experience growth at some point you know what i'm saying and so if if you can't if you can't uh be replaced then you can't be promoted and the only way you're going to be replaced is if you have an sop to be able to replace you with because the idea of you sitting next to someone at a computer and
0: showing them how to do stuff just it's painful <laughs> well and unfortunately that, that's how she was hired because that was the processes two years ago right. so, i mean when i when i say it, these are recent developments and we're still tweaking yeah. our processes and i'm always trying new things and and we're, we're like a master chef just always trying to try the, the what's the yeah. what's the one thing we can do to always be improving you know growth one of our core values and that's that's being better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today and we're con- i'm constantly mm-hmm. just noodling on that and dreaming about it and fantasizing about how do we do that No,
1: i i, I love it and, and i do i say it all the time you know the the sales program is is a living breathing organism you know that you mm-hmm. constantly have to be because it, it itself is changing without you even touching it because everybody in it goes through it and like i don't know this is such a like a philosophical way to look at it but they stretch it and they break it and they they um, start changing things without telling you, you know what I mean, in the program. And so you have to be on top of it. You have to be able to work on the business so to of in the business. And, you know, so that, that, that brings me to another um, question is, all right, are you still personally producing, you know what I'm saying, and how important do you think it is to lead from the front and personally produce?
0: That's a solid question, and and the key of a lot of debates in a lot of different industries, I'd imagine. So uh, Mm -hmm. yes, I'm still personally producing. I I I personally produced last week when I was on vacation with my family in Deadwood, South Dakota, for the week, and seeing uh, Mount Rushmore and going panning for gold and all this other stuff. I also hired two people while I was on vacation and uh, Mm -hmm. got stuff done and just built you know my schedule around it so I can. I'm a big fan of you can have your cake and eat it too. You just have to be intentional and do things on purpose rather than accident, right? And so I'm right. very, very, and a lot of what I've learned over the years doesn't matter if it's this or sales or is like, oops, that didn't work. Don't do, don't do that again. There's way more <laughs> oopses than there was aha moments. And every once in a while I will get a, and so if you just do the stuff and you just stop doing the stuff that doesn't work, you're gonna be ten times ahead of everybody else. And then if you come across and stumble across these aha moments, whoop, that helps even more. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's an example. There's definitely value in leading from the front. For sure. Uh, however, I think there's a dichotomy there, like like Jocko uh, talks about at echelon front that you can get to a point where you lead from the front so much that that's not the highest and best use of your time and uh, producing individually. I, I like to prove that that this old dog can still hunt. In fact, a couple of months ago, <laughs> I was the number I was the number two producer out of seventy people in the in our combined two agencies. The one I got yeah, nice. promoted out of that we still office together. And so yeah. I, I did that and I'm half joking, half serious. I'm like, I just want you guys to know I know what I'm doing. So, yeah. <laughs> look, you know, when you say, when you do say, come follow me, and this is something that my mentor told me is like, you need to have a track record of success. So I can point to top first year producer. I can point to this. Yeah. I can point to that. And then the thing is, is it that they don't care what I did in 2008. They don't care that I had a record January in 2017. Every once in a while, you still got to show them. So, and I yeah. do. However, I think people get trapped there. and and again this happens in businesses across all sectors is that the strategies that enable you to go from startup to bootstrapping to scaling at, at at some point are the same strategies that will then bottleneck you when when you're doing everything and you don't have positions hired out you can't be all things to all people at a certain point and so i think some people take the leading from the front uh in the field selling to the extreme and that that inhibits their growth that's not that's not the full-time highest and best use of my time it's good to show them i can do it however Uh, that doesn't mean you can't lead by example in other areas, right? Right. Like, guess who was up at 4.45 this morning working out, taking care of my body? Guess who listens to podcasts when he does that? Guess who listens to books? Guess who has a stack of books? I mean, I've got The Ultimate Sales Machine by Amanda Holmes. Phenomenal book. She actually read it. Yeah, Chet and Amanda Holmes. She actually came and spoke to our group. I've developed somehow. Th- this kind of just relationship and friendship with her because we had her come speak to our group, which is awesome. Beautiful. 21 laws of leadership, never finished traction. I mean, we don't have Fabio romance novels over here. Uh, we don't have, uh, oh. gosh, comic <laughs> habits, you know, because uh, I try to be my own Fabio in my world. Uh, we don't have Harry <laughs> Potter. You know. I, don't, I don't have the long hair, but I do have the, I have the beard. So I, I might braid yeah. it here a little bit. I don't know. You know, yeah, all we, sorts of stuff. We can't
1: have it so, all, but we can have some of it for sure. <laughs> no, I love it, man. So you can you,
0: you can lead by example, and you can be the most, the most dedicated, the most uh, hardworking. You can show up early. You mm-hmm. can leave late. You can show people that you can live the life. You know, part of what we talk about is all the money in the world doesn't matter if you don't get to do what you want to do with it, right? And so, yeah. part of our, our 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 vision that we lay out for other people is by you know changing the world by protecting one family at a time, which is our mission. You get to live the life of your dreams, achieve your goals, and live by your priorities and your values, not what do I want, or your parents, or the Joneses, or the government, what do you want it to be? And so I have to be the example of that, which is why I was able to model a workcation in Deadwood, had a blast, and got a lot done. So it doesn't necessarily uh, have to be production, to your question. I think there's value in that,
1: uh, but it doesn't have to be. No, I couldn't agree more. And, and the way you explained that dichotomy was perfect. I mean, that's what people need to hear is that at some point you make that shift. And, yeah, it's mm-hmm. fun to to be the top dog for a month every now and then and have a little fun with it. But that's more for you than it is for them. You know what I'm saying? Like at that point. A little bit. It's like just, just you know, it's like me when I get on the basketball court and I play with a bunch of 20-something-year-olds and I give them the freaking old man, you know, hip thrust or whatever <laughs> and score my points and then walk off the court because everything hurts. Old man
0: judo. Oh yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, You're booking right. the massage and the chiropractor. They, they don't need to know about that part. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. So
1: one more, one more business related question. And it's about recruiting because obviously mm, okay. your company is a recruiting machine. So do you guys, uh, incentivize like that, that, um, self-gen recruiting and kind of how is that structure? You know, because I think, mm. I think a lot of people are always looking for the ads and, you know, you know, what what website should I go to? What what personality tests and and all that type of, and all that stuff works really well, you know, especially with longer term positions or higher level positions. But at the end of the day, I have not been able to replace a a top salesperson that brings in their friend. And their friend knows them and seen has seen what they've done. So they have so much more conviction when they walk in the door, like, hey, I want to be here. And 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 I did. I had the stats on it. They produce five times as as much as the people from ads. So, how do you guys,
0: uh, I guess, drive those those self gen recruits? Yeah, it's a fabulous question. That that's we're a work in progress on that. However, you know what's funny is I'm one of those recruits. All of the top producers in our organization is someone knew someone that connected the interview that got them here. And and there's still great things. Uh, with the ads right. and the job boards and things yeah. like that, I'm a big fan of diversify. You know, it's just like you're going to cold right. call, you're going to generate referrals, you're going to do callbacks. You're gonna, because guess what? Sometimes the referrals hit, sometimes the cold calls. But if you only if you put all your eggs in one basket, that's setting yourself up for catastrophic failure. So I think recruiting yeah. efforts are the same way. Uh, we talk, so well, you get what you promote, and so we mm-hmm. do. What we we're doing our best to turn that ship and to talk about it a lot. And, uh, and to incentivize it. There's extra financial rewards. However, I've also learned that, that while money makes the word, world go round, it doesn't motivate everybody all the time. And so, you know, the classic American way is to just throw a bunch of money at it and hope it solves the problem. So that, that's just one of the recipes. You know, really the message that, that I'm trying to deliver now to people is just having a conversation with people uh, uh, that are on my team and say, hey, does this career meant to you? And they'll talk mm-hmm. about all the stuff that we talked about, the, the lifestyle and stuff. I'm like, great. Uh, what do you think it would mean to someone else? Oh, I think it'd be incredible. Do you know that you're doing them a disservice by not at least bringing them up? It doesn't mean they yeah. have to come work with us. We might not be a good fit, but, uh, you know, I'm a firm believer that your conviction on the value of, like, you're convicted about our product. That's why you're motivated to go talk about it. You believe right. it. Same thing's true with this career is Absolutely. your level of conviction on this career is based is directly proportional to the uh, amount of time you're willing to spend talking to other people about it and not just family and friends, but just in, in the field when you run across someone that it could be a server shoot I was at an event a couple of weeks ago that said, you know, we, we troll uh, workout facilities like LA fitness and high end servers, time. those are our two biggest things. yeah and so um they gave this question that's awesome and and i wrote this question down and i I shared it with my my people that i work with is who else do you know that's like you we're growing we're expanding i can't guarantee i'd hire anybody i could at least get them an interview who do you know that's like you i mean that's a very simple i don't even know what that was and you can use
1: that with clients too yeah people that buy your products that, that, that values you know this product you know, yeah. like you do you know that's that's a great question i love that huge huge value brother i appreciate that now i de- you know what you said about not putting all your eggs in one basket is so true because so many recruiters right now are putting all their eggs in the indeed basket and it is it's is very much a let's throw everything up against the wall and see what sticks recruiting platform costs a ton of money and then at any given time at any given time they can cut you off for no yeah. Reason. And I've had,
0: I've had friends that have been blacklisted and, and have no, yeah. no explanation as to why. And then guess what? They're up Lollipop Creek without a paddle because no one's taught them how to hunt for leads and generate them out of thin air, which is what I exactly. love. And what I hate about the the business that I've grown up in is that you could literally drop me out of an airplane. And as long as I have my iPad with my stuff on it, I'll be fine because I'm not yeah. reliant on anybody for anything as far as lead gen anywhere. And I can take a cold market, turn a warm market quickly, whether it's sales, leadership, recruiting, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't have it any other way.
1: All right, I want to pivot a little bit because we don't have that much time left, but I want to pivot to
0: legacy. What does it mean to you and what legacy do you want to leave behind? Oof. Wow, that's a good question. I thought we're gonna I thought we were gonna talk all about team and, and stuff and <laughs> building and sales, legacy. Um you know, I, I want you know, I've got three kids that that they are currently eight, six, and three. And uh, I love my father dearly, but, but um, you know, he was an alcoholic. Um, he, he cheated on my mom, which I found out long after he died. And so here, here's what happened to me is when my mom in, in a kind of a drunken, we're both drunk talking about stuff, how life sucks. And she's like, well, let me tell you about your father. He's not the man you thought he was. And I mean, that crushed my soul when. I realized that he was not the man that that he portrayed to be or that I thought he would be. And so I made a decision there that I never want my kids to have that feeling. Right. Never. never. So um, back in, in July of 2015, a two month experiment has turned into which will be something like eight years of not drinking. I never want to see. I never want to have to wake my kids up and go pick up my father out of jail like I had to get picked up. I never want to, them to see me come home from a street fight, buddy. I mean, maybe if the guy deserved it, he's talking crap to my family. Maybe, <laughs> but not not a bar fight, not a bar yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. You, know, um, you know, my dad had some life insurance when he passed, but that was just he got lucky. Our family got lucky that that was the term life insurance he had through work, and we're lucky that he didn't. You know. By today's standards, he probably would have been fired and out of insurance and out of his life insurance. And, and again, that didn't last very long. So yeah. um, I want to leave a legacy of example for my kids of more of what to do and more uh, and less of what not to do. And again, I'm a sinful, fallen human creature. I yell at my kids. I get frustrated. Yeah, you know? Absolutely. But, but I never want to have those major things. Uh, that I experienced and then I love the Warren Buffett quote is, uh, is, you know, leave enough money that they can do whatever they want, but but not do nothing, you know, and so one of my biggest struggles right now is trying to identify ways because part of the reason that I am who I am is is just the adversity that I went through. And that Mm -hmm. adversity sucks. And my sister, who's four years younger than me, still hasn't fully recovered from that that adversity that happened 26 years ago. So most people uh, don't. Oh, it's brutal. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking, because she's just a skilled, and talented design and intelligent. Mm-hmm. So how do I create some controlled adversity, so my yeah. kids can build these characteristics without crushing them under life? That's, that's really what I want to do. So that, uh, you know, my mission is that when they're 17 years old, they're running their own life. I don't have to wake them up. I don't have to, you know, it, it, a lot of people will wait till college and then try to teach their kids to be adult. That's too late. They're already gone. I want to teach yeah. them at, i want to teach them at 17 their senior year whatever's happening they're running their own life um and and i'm just kind of more of a tour guide and a counselor at that point no, i love it brother and yeah that that convicted me just now it's like mm.
1: when my son's and and i say my son's because my daughter's pretty self-sufficient already she's only 12.
0: but my son's <laughs> when
1: they're 17 can they run their own life no that's a great goal to have and and, and i love that your legacy is focused on your kids and in that's what how I would describe it, a legacy of focus. Because we do, we have these big goals, you have business goals, you have impact goals, you know what I mean? But all you talked about was your kids. And I think because you are hyper focused on them, that there's no way you're not going to to leave them with a the legacy that you intended. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which is an intentional one, right? And so Absolutely. brother, I appreciate I'll, you. Go ahead.
0: I'll leave you one last story. I know you got a call here in two minutes, so do I. Um actually I don't, mine got pushed. So uh, everybody's watching you all the time as leaders, we are always on stage. And so my kids, uh, a few, a while ago, last year, just started getting up with me at five in the morning. And initially I was frustrated because it inhibited my ability to get a full workout. Right. in. But I instantly realized the opportunity that we had here. And so today I went in their beds, I woke them up said, Hey, I'm going to work out. And my daughter opted to, to go cuddle with mom, which is totally, it's always their choice. Jackson, my son got up and he did a workout with me. And my workout was not as intense as it would have been had I been able to do it by myself. I did not get to listen to my podcast that I wanted to, but I don't really care because the impact that that's leaving on them and that example and that bonding time. No one was doing that stuff for me when I was a kid. And again, I love my parents. They did the best they had, but just realize as leaders and we're all leaders, even if you're a highly motivated team of one, Mm -hmm. people are watching. I had a conversation with a gentleman yesterday that I have not seen in years. Uh, and he, he, he mentioned some things that he's seen on Facebook and, and complimented me on. I'm like, wow, I don't, you don't even like or comment on this stuff. Yeah. You know, and I just I in my head, so people are watching you. So I want to leave a legacy of example um, for everybody, really, uh, not, but but especially my kids, because I, I love them. No offense. I love you dearly. I just love them a little bit more.
1: <laughs> I love my kids a lot more. I'll, I'll be yeah, honest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I love, I love the workout with your son, man. I mean you know we try our best to manufacture that time and they're not always about it you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and so when we get an opportunity like that and we have to pivot we have to sacrifice in our our personal goals then it it's worth it all day long cuz we'll get absolutely. so much more fulfillment out of that than our own personal stuff so 100% man again I, I appreciate you coming on the show taking the time out brother and uh i know we had some technical difficulties starting out on both ends but we got it done man and i think it's, it's beautiful so
0: absolutely is a virtue baby yeah, right. thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Let's get building.
1: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We appreciate it. Be sure to execute on everything that you just heard and let's get building. Before we sign off, we'd like to invite you to join our Brickyard community. Head on over to jointhebrickyard.com. Again, that's jointhebrickyard.com or click the link in the description to find out more.